Welcome once again to the Speakers Inc. We Speak Global Speakers Showcase Series. Today it is my great privilege and honor to introduce to you a man by the name of Rusty Labaskagni. This is a harrowing story of survival, of triumph over evil. It really, really is. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the man before we listen to him talk. Rusty Labaskagni was jailed after being falsely accused of a crime. Now listen very carefully to what happened. Few would have survived Rusty Labaskagni's ordeal. However, it is an incredible story of hope and resilience. Rusty has been through trauma that few have experienced. Now here's the crux. In 2003, the successful Zimbabwean businessman ran a safari outfit, flew his own aircraft and had a fishing resort on Lake Kariba. By the end of that same year, he had been framed by a poacher and the police and was wrongfully convicted by the courts of drowning a man. He served 10 years in Zimbabwean prisons and today online you're going to see the man who got through that ordeal and truly has a wonderful, inspiring story to tell. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the incredible Rusty Labaskagni. My life started from humble beginnings as a fourth generation Zimbabwean in a cattle ranching background. Let me quickly highlight the contrast of my life before I got sent to prison. I was living the good life. I worked hard, I played hard, and was an avid sportsman, playing several rugby tests for Zimbabwe too. I lived what you might call a very successful life with numerous thriving businesses. I was so busy being successful though, that after 14 years, my marriage fell apart and I no longer lived under the same roof as my beloved children. I missed them terribly. But through making the right business decisions, by the year 2000, life couldn't have been better for this farm boy who grew up dirt poor. I was extremely happy, making plenty of money in my safari business. I was flying my own aircraft, had a fishing resort on the shores of beautiful Lake Kariba in Zimbabwe. Flashy cars, houseboats, speedboats, you name it. To top it off, I was engaged to a beautiful woman. Then in an instant, my world was turned upside down. It all started one weekend in December 2000 when I went on a fishing trip with friends to my fishing resort on Lake Kariba. And late one afternoon, one of my mates and I decided to go tiger fishing on the lake leaving the other guys bream fishing in the river. And on our way back, 
we spotted two fish poachers in a steel boat who immediately upon seeing us started paddling hastily for the shore in an effort to get away from us. Knowing they were notorious poachers, I drove my boat towards them to scare them off and the wake of my boat tilted their boat, causing them to jump out into the water, which was about five feet deep and they were about three meters from the shore. They soon scrambled to dry land and my friend and I then watched as they ran away into the bush and thought nothing more of it. The following day, the police arrived with one of the poachers and accused us of drowning the other one. To get a long story short, I was framed by the poacher, the police and the courts in an ugly, politically influenced conspiracy and sentenced to 15 years in Zimbabwe's prisons, of which five were removed as remission. Unbelievably, my co-accused only got a $10 fine and was set free because he was not driving the boat. And that's exactly as it was stated in the judgment. On the 3rd of April, 2003, during the land invasion chaos in Zimbabwe, against police evidence, without a body and on presumptions, I was convicted of drowning that poacher. The shock was inexpressible. I was innocent. I was a successful, self-made businessman with a high standing in the community. You can only imagine what was going through my mind when they read out that verdict. But what I didn't know then was from that moment on, my life would never be the same again. I shared a cell 13 meters long by three meters wide with 78 other inmates. Each person had 33 centimeters, 13 inches, marked out on the walls in chalk. That was your space. The toilet was a stainless steel bowl sunk into an open one meter square cement block in one corner, as you can see in my sketch. As cushioning against the cold concrete floor, you'd fold two of your paper thin, worn out, last ridden blankets several times to fit your space, then cover yourself with the third one. And your clothes were wrapped around the toothbrush and toothpaste, with that gets stolen, and that was your pillow. We had no basins or taps in the cells and only one set of clothing was allowed at any one time. So we had to wash our clothes in the cell toilets at night wearing a blanket, then hang them on the walls with smuggled book staples to dry by the next morning. Three or four of us would take turns to wash our clothes because one garment had to be used to block the toilet to allow the toilet bowl to fill up when attempting to flush, the water only ever dribbled in slowly. Then we'd wash the clothes on the cement blocks surrounding the toilet bowl to bring them in and out as we washed, as you can see in my sketch. It's just cold walls, bars, and razor wire. No furniture whatsoever, no, no beds, no tables, no chairs, no cupboards, nothing. Just rows of fully folded blankets and hundreds of well-used water bottles on bare concrete floors. Not even a mirror. I didn't see my face for the first eight years. In 2005, during the Zimbabwe dollar crash, Harare city ran out of water. For three years, while in Chikaribi maximum security prison, each prisoner was allocated only one plastic cup of water a day. One cup of dirty orange city runoff water from a nearby dam, carried by farm prisoners. That was to drink, clean your teeth, wash your face, bath, everything for three years. That's our city information waiting for one cup a day. I have learned 
that the most important things in life cannot be bought. Health, loved ones, and friends, in that order. During my first six years in prison, I watched over 2,200 guys die, primarily from malnutrition. It was during the Zimbabwe dollar crash, when there was no food outside of prison, never mind in there. During the cholera outbreak of 2008 and 2009, in eight months, out of 1,200 of us prisoners at Harare Central Prison, 432 guys died. That's more than one third of us in eight months. And that triggered something about my health. And I'd like you all to do a rain check on your health. Because once your health is gone, everything else in life means nothing. After Red Cross had taken over feeding and normality in March 2009, we began a soccer league. And I was delighted to break the prison squad, giving me the privilege to walk under strict escort to play against the officer side on a field in their compound. During our jovial march there, singing all the way with fellow players, I asked one of the guards if I may touch my first tree in six and a half years. When granted permission, I joyously broke formation and did so. Now clearly remember the roughness of the bark, reminding me of my granddad's forearms, and the distinct smell of that jacaranda tree, which I knew so well. You have no idea how beautiful and uplifting it felt just to touch a tree and feel green grass again. My first evening at Connemara Open Prison, which is a farm prison where I was transferred after eight years, I spent sitting around an open fire on old logs and bleached cattle skulls, chatting with old Ndebele inmates, taking me back to what I loved so dearly as a child. Now I remember getting lost in the interesting stories and the, the beauty of the sunset, the dancing flames, the tranquil call of a night jar, and the bright stars and the moon, which I hadn't seen for eight lonely long years. I didn't see a sunlit set or a sunrise for eight years either. Now, I appreciate the everyday little things in life, like a soft bed, a hot bath, a tasty meal, or a spontaneous cuddle from a loved one, because those are the things you miss most when you have it all taken away. There are things we know that rejuvenate us. And for me, it has always been nature. I am and will forever be a farm boy from Zimbabwe. Nature's in my blood, touching a tree, smelling the earth, the feeling of soil in my hands. These things bring me restoration. For you, it might be hanging out with friends, dancing, reading a good book, or swimming in the ocean. Whatever is good for you, do more of it. I have learned not to let past thoughts hurt me. The past only exists in your head. It can only come to life if you let it. Jesus once said in Matthew 6.27, Can any one of you, while worrying, add a single hour to your life? I was forced to live in the moment in prison, and it's one of the biggest lessons I still practice today. 
and to be able to find positives in all the negatives going on around me brought hope, which is a huge part of getting through prison life. Hope is the anchor of your soul. It's what kept me grounded and sane in there. Hope enabled me to see that there is light despite all the darkness. Let your hopes, not your troubles, shape your future. And finding happiness in even the smallest things that happened in prison kept me healthy. Those who couldn't died. Life in prison or in Las Vegas is still just life. It's what you make of it, no matter where you are. I had everything I could ever wish for. And in moments, it was all gone. The humiliation of being labeled a murderer in terrible conditions were extremely hard to deal with. As was the pain of my bitterness, anger, hatred, frustration, and revenge for what they'd done and were doing to me. I hated them bitterly and initially would lie there for hours wishing every terrible thing on each of them in turn, the poacher, the police, the judge, the ministry, and all who were involved in my conviction. Then one day, I was struck by the realization that that awful month might be long ago. Here I was, consumed by the unfairness of it all, and they, blissfully unaware of the evil I wished on them every day. In the end, I was only hurting myself. I was carrying all that in my head, and beating myself up for nothing. The single biggest lesson I learned in prison was true forgiveness. And for me, it was bigger than anything I could have achieved on my own. True forgiveness was inspired by God Almighty, and so was letting go. It was a huge weight up my shoulders. I, le I learned to live in the moment from then on. The past was too painful, and the future full of unkept promises. So I just dealt with each day as it was. I learned to have faith because no amount of worrying was going to change what I was going through. If you have anger or resentment towards anyone in any way, it will eventually destroy you because that is what those emotions do. They steal from you. They steal happiness and freedom. We all want too much in our lives, concentrating on what we haven't got instead of being grateful for what we have. And for me, giving thanks to God every day goes a long way. For my health, a beautiful family, a lovely home, a soft bed, running water, and so on. When there's no food, no water, and people are dying all around you, you become grateful for the fact that you're still breathing. And another day is a blessing. When you lie in a cell with 78 other people, and your breath is not even your own, gratitude suddenly has a different meaning altogether. Accepting that what I went through cannot be changed and being grateful for what it taught me has unlocked my vision for my future. The healthiest of all human emotions is gratitude. Remember that and practice it. Having an attitude of gratitude is one of the most impactful habits for a fulfilling and healthy life. I wish I could express the happy, bubbly, exciting, beautiful feeling I felt as I walked out those prison gates to freedom after 10 years of hell. People don't appreciate freedom. And I've realized that even when you're not in prison, there are ways in which we're in prison ourselves. 
some are business partnerships, badly selected careers, being obsessed with money and ambition in the corporate world, even unhappy marriages. And it's only when you have freedom completely taken away do you realize in many ways that you were actually in prison too. When I look back on it all, it makes me wish I could somehow get through to people how precious and priceless freedom is. If you look at your life as it is, how free are you within your circumstances? Freedom is not just not being in prison. Freedom is the ability to make a choice and act on it. Freedom is letting go of what you can't control. Freedom is forgiveness. Freedom is being free from negativity. Freedom brings health. If you can be free in all areas of your life, then you'll reach your full potential. In conclusion, I was fortunate. I'd made it big, was very successful. And possibly during that time, I became a bit arrogant. But that experience has made me realize that I'm just a normal human being. That you can't value your life based on your title, your success, or your material possessions. If you had everything taken away from you right now, who would be left? What would people see looking at you as a person? We need to look at our core values more deeply and see how we can change lives and maybe make a difference in this world. There were times in there when I just felt this was the end. I didn't have the mental strength left to overcome more of those never-ending challenges. But from the bowels of despair comes this realization that just as my mind had helped drag me through those depths that far, so could it pull me out of them. Each and every one of us, when you dig deep enough, can find this inner strength to get through life's toughest times and deepest holes, out of our cages, out of the dark. Every one of you here today is faced with challenges, day in and day out, those that you look for and those that sneak up on you from behind. But who you are and the depth of your determination is what's going to elevate you become someone that people will look up to and forever remember. Book me now and I will help you and your team. Thank you. So Rusty, thank you very much once again for being with us. It was fascinating, intriguing and layers to this particular story that really are worth exploring. So thank you very much for your time. Did you enjoy yourself as much as we enjoyed it? I did, Dwayne. It's therapeutic, just getting it all out and watching me i know that it inspires and helps a lot of people deal with their stuff so well i couldn't agree with you more because that's exactly where i was going to start this conversation right now i know you haven't got a huge amount of time but i'm going to get straight to the crux of it it is inspirational but what made you rusty decide when you were out of this terrible terrible ordeal that this could be inspirational what made you think hold on a second this story could change lives and you know when i went in there in two three um, the world is a very different place to when I came out. I mean, thought of taking a, a picture on a phone and sending it to someone was, was like a stole thing. Um, so the whole world had changed, you know, there wasn't uh, social media. There, there was, there was just such a massive change in, in that 10 years. And, um, I just figured, 
you know, before prison, I, in there, it did dawn on me that, that um, I had, you know, I'm going through stuff that a lot of people battle with. But when I started realizing how much the, the 2008 crash, the Zimbabwe dollar crash had affected people and the economies around the world, and the amount of people I spoke to that have not only broken in themselves, but broken in the families. <clears throat> and I yeah. thought, you know, I've, I've had to go through all this stuff. And uh, maybe it'll be some way of, of helping people. And, it, you know, when I look back on it, Dwayne, it's sort of like uh, a bit of a supernatural thing where, I mean, I'm a full-on bushman. I mean, I love animals. Yeah. This is, is home. So to pull me out of that environment was, uh, was something very powerful. And, and I believe now, when I look at my whole, my whole life, I believe that, that I'm somebody that started with nothing, was very fortunate, worked very hard, very successful, got crushed and pushed so low that I had to dig, dig really deep to find solutions to get through what I did. But I grew. I learned things that others never have to. And, sure. and I've realized, I, I realized after prison that, that I have a very unique story, that, that I've yes. lived uh, an experience from nothing to everything. I mean, I've flown in private jets with General Swarskov. You know, I met, I've met some big people. You know, I've driven Ferraris and I've done all that all over the world. And I, so I've been very privileged and lived there. But I've also groveled and slept on the floor and been through hell. So, so I have, I've lived it. I haven't learned it. And I just felt that, that the world had changed so much. And I had got to a very high um, reputation in my safari game. Yes. I could feel when I came up that I'll never, that I'll never get back there. And there's got to be something bigger. There's got to be something more to my life, something that I'm not one to sit around and just, uh, I've got to do stuff. I've got to, I've got, I like being rewarded with what I do. And, and then when I started, when I got the invite to start talking and I saw how much it started helping people, then it was like a drug. It was like, this is it. The purpose, mm. it's like, right. and that slowly started the journey. And then, and then my wife was an incredible support for me as well. And uh, yeah, we started the journey together, and uh, that got me on the road. And, and it was it was very therapeutic. I mean, sure. you know, and emotionally to heal from that, it takes time. It, it took about five years to emotionally heal, and about eight years to physically heal. From it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge amount of damage that must happen to a human being. Planes, trains, automobiles, money, fast cars, traveling with this person, guarding the very top of the top around your country in terms of seeing the wildlife and suddenly in a prison cell. We were talking about the changes that the world had gone through in that time that you were away. But what are the changes? What is the biggest change, in fact, that Rusty went through? in jail when you find if you look back at yourself at the guy who went in and the guy who came out what's the biggest change between those two people i think the biggest change um Duane, is is it wasn't all about me yeah you know when you when you're brought up with not much you, you you're filled with ambition and drive and and we've all got that especially when you when you've gone without but it gets sure. to a place when you don't know when enough is enough yeah and those those big things, you know, another houseboat, another boat, another flashy car, they don't fill that, they don't fill that hole. They, they don't bring you that peace that I have mm -hmm. now. 
Um, and the Lord has brought me that piece. And, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's helped by having a purpose and seeing, that, seeing the change that I'm having on people's lives. Mm, mm. I have a purpose now. It's not about me anymore. Sure. You know? Yeah. And it's so interesting because I think at the same time, that must have been a very natural progression that you made in terms of a human being. But there must have been people along the way in jail who really helped you find that particular part of yourself that you didn't really know existed. You must have met some fascinating people. Any one person, two people that really come to mind, and people who changed Rusty when he was in jail? Yeah, there were, there were a few, but the two names I can pull out immediately. One was Phil Bezadenot. Um, He was a farmer. Uh, also, I mean, he, he ran someone over, but it was on a, on a tarred road, and the guy ran out, but it was a political a political influenced uh, decision and he spent 10 years in prison but he was a farmer and he was the only one i could really relate to and talk you know talk about uh, talk to, to things that i knew and then there was a guy called moyo um who was a tracker who worked for a friend of mine in the safari industry and moyo was also very solid um, and there's a lot of immoral behavior in in uh, prison Dwayne. it's sure. My book, you can see it in my book, mm. um, but it's not nice to talk about. But those guys were straight, and there were people that I could turn to. I mean, there's, there's dark days in there when you, I mean, it feels like your world is falling apart, and you need help, you need emotional support. And and those guys were just solid. I mean, they were amazing. And Namoyo is just a tracker, but he had that uh, that deepness, that real yeah, he was he was uh, he was an amazing man, and uh, I, I get quite emotional when I talk about him because sure. I, I spoke about him at a talk uh, for Standard Bank not long ago, and uh, oh, the tears just started running down my face, and I thought, yes, you know, you you build friendships that are different, Dwayne, because you suffer, you know, you go through stuff. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's guys in there that you never want to see out of prison. Don't get me sure. wrong, but mm -hmm. when you go through stuff with guys that are that are real and and good men. Is a friendship that will never change, never. Yeah. I can see it in your face that you're a different person to the person that you were yesterday. I think you're one of those people who just simply grows and grows and grows. But there must be a certain part of you, and in fact, I say must be, with a certain amount of hesitation because of the fact that I look at you and I see a very positive, very, very energetic and very driven person still. Obviously, a lot of the same characteristics that made you very successful in business. You are exhibiting all of those again with this new life and this new journey with yours, but of yours, I should say. But do you ever look back at the entire process of you landing up in prison in the first place with anger? Do you still have anger and resentment towards that particular incident that took place and the way it took place? You're not going to believe this, but, um, but I, I was talking to a, a life coach in London one day and, um, it was about five years ago, and he's, he knew, he just heard about my story, and he's mm. one of those extremely intelligent guys, and he said, tell me about the blessing that you had of your 10 years in prison, and I thought, yuck, it uh, really hit me, and it made me realize that I actually am blessed with that story, because sure. that, that, I mean, it was tough, and it was extremely hard to go through and all that stuff, but it set me up for something that is way above where I could ever have gone or 
what I could have ever achieved. And, and I appreciate that. And, and yeah, sure. when I look back on it all, Dwayne, it's like it never happened. It was like, like a dream. Really? Because wow. I've said all of that emotional stuff because I can see the vision in front of me. And, and if I have that stuff hanging on to me and draining me, mm. I'm not going to get there. Sure. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I've got, a, I've got big visions in front of me. Talk about those visions. Talk about those. Where do you see yourself in, give it five years, six years, 10 years? Where is Rusty going to be? What's he going to be doing? How much do you think you have, still have to do? Dwayne, I, uh, I'm working on a TV series right. and it is absolutely unbelievable. It's, it's dramatized uh, um, <clears throat> fact, factual, but uh, the guys that have written the first episode, it is unbelievable and, and it's moving oh. it's, I mean, it's it's a big process yes but but it's about changing people's lives and, and i think that you know the more the more i i evolve in in what i'm doing here it's going to start getting international um and now yes actually it is getting international but there'll be more and more international opportunities and and my story is something that i believe that the world doesn't has no idea that this kind of stuff takes place and, and I'm not, whatever i lived it you know if you, you look and, and you say to somebody can anyone ever fully recover from a terrible setback in life hmm. well you look at someone that did absolutely that you can recover from whatever life throws at you you know you we all have it in us but we're not all tested oh and yes when you True. tested Wayne, you can do it. You, we have to do it. Otherwise, you won't make it. You know. Absolutely. You just have, we can't lie down. We don't lie down. Not not the nature of the beast, so to speak. Exactly. <laughs> my, my other question would be about the book. You've mentioned the book a couple of times. Now, the book was that also pretty cathartic in terms of writing that book and putting those thoughts and feelings and experiences down on paper. Did it help you deal with many of the maybe unresolved emotions that you had regarding the time in prison? It definitely did, Dwayne. And one of the biggest things was the injustice. You know, when yep. you go to prison as an innocent man, there are a lot of questions. Why me? Mm. What did I do to deserve this? You know, do these guys feel what I'm feeling? You know, am I dreaming and I'm going to wake up and it'll all be over? Um, so you, a lot of stuff goes through, especially when it's, I mean, prison is another place. It's, it's another mm. world, you know, and, and to try and figure out that you're actually in there, um, and then you, you know, for me, it was, it was about that injustice, about getting this all on paper where yeah. people have no idea how to, you know, how you get through something like that. I mean, we've all been, not all of us, but a lot of people go through very, very dark places like that. And mm. you wonder how you're going to get through that. And I thought it's going to help a lot of people and it'll help me because I want to get it all on paper. Everyone mm. needs to. You know what happened exactly what what is capable of happening to anybody at any time it's not only in zimbabwe in america all over there sure. so every day documented and and let people know that it's real that it can happen to anyone and you know i could have avoided what happened but i felt that i'm right i'll stand my mm. ground you know, mm. and, and sometimes that lots of money can bring up a little bit of arrogance and you sure. think I'm right, so I'll, you know, I'll say I'm right, and then, yeah, <laughs> I thought I'll fix you. 
And they did. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you a question. I promised I wouldn't ask, but I'm going to now because we brought it up. The injustice. Yeah. And I'm going to try and word this as carefully as I possibly can because I don't want to make it sound like there's any bitterness in it. The okay. injustice. Did the people who are responsible, or have the people who are responsible for putting you in prison, been been punished in any way? Do you know? Do you care? Have they ever got their comeuppance? Has karma ever come around to meet them? If you if you read the book, Duane, you'll see that ah. incarceration got up to presidential level. There's the judge that tried to help me. He was thrown in prison. Um, wow. It was very, very ugly. It was very political. And, and I understand that the judge was under the pistol. He had to do what he did. It wasn't his fault. I don't hold the judge accountable. Sure. Um, and, you know, there are people along the way that, that had their input. You know, the, the officer in charge, the bigger police station. I mean, there's some guys that were very, very, uh, yeah, I hate to say the, the word racist, but, but he was. Um, mm. And wanted, he wanted to fix me. Mm. Um, oh. No real reason. You know, it was just that, you know, I was doing well. And it was that, it, you know, the land invasion time in Zimbabwe was a very, uh, Turmoil time. Because yes. yeah, people had this um uh, this sense of um like uh they deserve they deserve entitlement. They've been mm. you know, self-entitlement. Sure. Um sure. and it, the whole country was like that because it was yes. it was poisonous, it was fed to them all for let for right. the election. You know? So they had this false sense of uh, yeah, what they deserve. And uh, I, I do, if there was a reason to read the book, this is another reason to read the book right there, because I just want to read that particular chapter, that particular passage about how that process must have taken place, because it's frightening. But the truth is, here you stand, Rusty. You're a changed man. You're a man with a smile, a vision, and an energy, and a real enthusiasm for changing people's lives. And I think that's remarkable. You should really give yourself a pat on the back for doing just that. And I'm sure you're going to continue to do so. Do you feel very positive about your own future? I think we've touched on this slightly, but you must feel very positive now about what the future looks like for us, D. 100%, Dwayne. I'm still very young at heart. I'll be 61 tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've got a huge future ahead of me and, and a big calling, um, Dwayne. And, and that was, that's something that I, you know, I think that God has, has put me through what, I, what I've been through for the calling that I, that he's given me now and that's right. to, to change as many lives as i can and to inspire as many people worldwide as, as i can uh, well rusty two things number one i think you're going to continue to do that you're going to keep doing that there's no way in the world you're not going to because it's a great story it's an it's an impassioned story it's a an inspirational story but you know what we need to do though we need to put a smile on rusty's face as well because you have continually put smiles on other people's faces by telling your story so right now for tomorrow i'm going to put this smile on your face Okay. Hopefully, of course, you're going to sing along with us. Are you ready for tomorrow, Rusty? Happy ready. birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you.
Now, without any fear of contradiction, that is the very first time we've ever sung happy birthday to one of our interviewees. So Rusty, thank you so very much for being with us today. I love your energy. We could talk for days, months, and we are going to talk again. I'm pretty sure about that. Thank you so much for being with us. And anybody watching today, please, if you would like to know any more about Rusty and his incredible story and the book, you simply log on to Speakers Inc. Com, you then log on to Rusty's particular profile, find out whatever you need to about how you can get him involved with your particular event. Talk to Duncan or Bronwyn, they'll do everything they can to make sure it's a great seamless process. You can have Rusty as part of your event in the coming weeks or months or years because I have a feeling you'll be able to listen to this guy more than once. Rusty, thank you so very much for your time. You're a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. Nice. Thank you, bud. See you again real soon. Okay. <laughs> Ta-ciao. Yes.